0: Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 at and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, what's happening here on a Friday as we head into a busy weekend in Jacksonville, Florida, and a busy week, of course, as we get ready for the NFL draft. We have new insight. We know who the Jags are taking. Okay, we know one of four guys the Jags are taking. Which four guys are those guys? Uh, Trent Falke. Actually, pretty funny at times today. Doug Peterson answering questions at the pre-draft luncheon. It's an annual event where they really can't tell you too much, but I actually thought they unveiled a little bit more than we usually get, so I appreciate that as a guy in the media, and I think the fans should too. Uh, I am outside of Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena, and that is the home of the Jacksonville Iceman. and that is where they'll have Game 2 of the ECHL playoffs against Atlanta. They won game one last night, 3-2, to so the Icemen looking to go up 2-zip. They'll get the first four games at home because of the scheduling conflict with Disney on ice in Atlanta, and so the Icemen trying to cash in on the home ice advantage. And then right across the way, I see the third base gate, and that is the home of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, and Ronald Acuna Jr. is once again with Gwinnett. Did not play last night, as I understand it. Uh, So probably be in the lineup tonight. If you're coming out to a ball game, you can see one of the most electrifying players in the big leagues before he gets called back up to the big leagues. And the shrimp are on fire right now. You can also listen to that game on ESPN 690. So all of that said, it's a happy Friday around here. I'm, like, standing in the middle of the street just about. So you might get some truck noise and car noise along the way. Uh, But as long as I don't get run over, I should make it until 6 o'clock. Hello, Austin Lane.
1: What's going on, man, Happy Friday., yeah. Sushi Friday's in full effect. Got a whole got a whole truckload of sushi today. I'm gonna stuff my face.
0: Well, the, last time you had this big grocery bag and the trays just would never end. I mean, it felt like forty to sixty pieces of sushi yeah. that you devoured during the show. Why? Why is it a sushi Friday and you got to fight tomorrow? Or you just feel like no fighting man. Someone tomorrow.
1: Uh, no, I don't feel like fighting. Come on, man. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Unless I'm in the cage. I just think you know, Fridays. It's the weekend. You're in good spirits. So why not start that weekend off with some nice sushi? It's one of my favorite foods.
0: I like sushi. Uh, do you have a favorite sushi?
1: Ooh, good call. Uh, not really. I mean, I'm I'm open to anything. You, you put some scallops on there. You put some shrimp. You put some uh, tuna on there. You put some salmon. Man, I'm 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 down for anything. Fish eggs. Let's go.
0: All right. I like it. Um, I got to work on the video a little bit, Casey. Huh? A little. I'll get a little headroom. Oh, uh, we As we call it in the business. Here we go. It's uh, got small. Yeah. yeah. Be perfect. Yeah, I'll try to
1: figure that. Out. People on YouTube I'm losing their minds right now because Brent's well, not showing enough. I, well, i Everyone's in the comments.
0: <laughs> well, I think my Star Veterans Memorial Arena should like us today. I mean, they're getting plenty of advertising. This is why they put their name on the building. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is, like, my tripod is kind of br- – well, my tripod's fine, but the um, – where my camera screws onto the tripod, that is stripped. Okay. And so you gave me a tip to try to fix it. It didn't work. I appreciate the tip. It's not your fault. We tried it. We can't figure out how to get this this screw out of there, and so we can um, get a new one in there. And uh, I can't tell you that I've spent hours and hours doing it, but it's a little windy out here, guys. And so I'm afraid of putting it on the tripod and it falling over with the camera. So... Um, that's really my story, and like, I mean that's, that's why I'm I'm like standing at the back of the pickup truck today with a uh, propped up camera, and uh, so it, I'm gonna have to play with it a little bit more.
1: I mean, we're talking Byron Leftwich playing in a ball game with a broken leg and getting carried down the field, and now Brent <laughs> Martino with a with a camcorder. I guess that won't screw in properly or, or right, and it's a little wobbly. I mean. Just, it's, it's a horse apiece. I don't spot a difference.
0: Listen, I mean, we, we all have our own problems. Brent, we all up, have man. our own issues. I Fighting mean, through adversity, yeah, <laughs> I, I hear it. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> got something going on. I'm just trying to deliver to the people so hey. you can see a little extra headspace. Or maybe Casey can help you out and just crop that sucker. So, uh, I,
1: I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm looking at the video right now, and yeah, there, there's a lot of headspace going on. <laughs> It looks, so, like you, it, it, it looks like you're like a Kim Kardashian's house. And they have like the <laughs> like the high ceilings and everything, and you decide to take a selfie of inside their house.
0: Now, if you drew a line though between my over from my head to your head on the video feeds, like you're about as normal size to me. You're six six. I'm five ten and a half. Oh, we're so perfect over yeah, here. So we're perfectly.
1: A lie? No, I mean, over here, it's perfect framing, man. It's like a Michael Bay film right now. I mean, I'm looking great. You know what I'm saying? I got my big fat head in the background. Yeah, you, you got to do something, man. Looks like you're doing like an independent indie kind of movie, kind of like No Country for Old Men, like you said.
0: Um, and it, it can be better. <laughs> we're, trying, we're trying to make uh, good productions here, yeah. uh, by the way. You think other people around the, the, the city worry about this stuff? No. no. We're trying to bring it to you on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We appreciate you jumping on and listening on the show. You're not here to watch me anyway. Hopefully just listen uh, along the way. All right, Austin Lane, you weren't at the lunch, and Casey and I were. We got some free food out of it, not on the yacht, but, hey, it was in the stadium, and it was in Shad Khan suite. So, um, Casey, oh. do you feel honored? Oh, Yeah, it feels good. You know, glad to just be uh, included.
1: It's always exciting to be uh, part of the team. Austin, I, I, I'm well, sorry. No, no, it's all good. Now, was the invite lost in the mail, or why did I get an invite to this? I don't, I, I
0: don't know. Are you yeah, there on the email is. list? No, there it is. Uh, I did actually say. extend this, I will say, to Casey. I oh, didn't cool. think you'd want to go.
1: Yeah, but you know me. Yeah, you know. I don't I don't like covering the Jacksonville Jaguars or seeing an old coach that I played for in Doug Peterson at all. Now That, that sounds like a horrible time. I'll tell you, there oh, was not that many fruit, people there. And free food. I bet, I bet, I bet the food sucked, right? Because <laughs> Conn never brings anything good to the table. You know, it was okay was at best. What did you guys have?
0: Filet
1: uh, we have, my we, gun? I
0: bet it was filet <laughs> my gun. <again. laughs> no, my gun. Oh, my it God. was my gun. Uh, no, nah, it was. Uh, uh, we had some chicken, and we mm-hmm. had some salad, and we had it some did. macaroni and cheese, and we had some potato salad, we had some coleslaw, <laughs> and we had what was it was it like a brisket or something? Was that what you call that, Casey? What was oh, that? Brisket no, it? Brisket too. Oh, somebody has
1: some barbecue yeah, too. Yeah, it was a, it oh. was a barbecue
0: situation for sure. Then we had a peach cobbler. Mm. And Mountain had, Dew. Had a little diet. Mm-hmm. Pepsi instead of Coke. But um. And uh, yeah, then we went on to the Q&A. So that was our story. Oh, sorry. I awesome. should have invited no, you. Cool. I was cool. thinking about your time, though. Like, you don't have a lot of time. I mean, you're doing the morning show and the afternoon show. Well, Honestly, it never crossed my mind that you'd want to go to the luncheon. Well, Casey, it's, meanwhile, it's I thought he'd, like, cry about it for the next three weeks if I didn't That's him. exactly the point. Like, you knew I would cry about it. So, like, sometimes you gotta, you got to balance. Like, Austin's not going to cry. You know, he's a grown-up. I'm a child. Yeah,
1: but you're talking about the guy who went on, like, a, a 20-minute rant about not getting invited to the yacht. Yeah. You know, that's true. and and now we're sitting here. I don't even get invited to a luncheon. So it's cool. It's all, yeah, it's all you're, good, man.
0: I, I, now uh, you're in my head on the feelings part too, not just Casey anymore. So uh look what we did. Look at us. Uh yeah, I will think about you next time. I promise.
1: No, nah, no worries, man. I'm over it
0: already. Uh, did you see any of the sound bites coming out of the luncheon? What I did. I'm going to share with you.
1: Oh no! What? I mean, I, I I watched it. I was there. I saw you guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, what was, was cool. the
0: big good questions, huh? Uh, what was Decent. the biggest uh, uh, <laughs> what was the biggest takeaway for you? I, I wonder because there are a couple of things that are really interesting to me. Um, and again, this is not usually a revealing half hour with GM and coach. I mean, seriously, it's cool they do it but what can they really tell you? Well, I thought there were a couple of things that piqued my interest. I want to know what, you, what piqued you guys' interest along the way. What, what was it, Austin? All
1: right, so two things kind of piqued my interest off the get-go that really stood out to me. Number one, they, they have it narrowed down. They have it whittled down now to four players that could be taken number one, which if I watched their facial expressions, I kind of bought into a little bit. So they don't know who they're taking number one yet, which yep. – Okay, you know, I mean, you've had a while now to study for this test, and you said, you know what, we're just going to hang out a little bit and cram for it like the last couple of days. Take that for how you want. And the second point that I, it really stood out to me was Trent Balky had no idea that, you know, the dude from San Francisco, I forgot his name already. Uh, yeah, because wah. Yeah, Wah, because, you know, we don't really know. He was know like, him. Wah? Yeah. Um, Trent Balky had no idea that he was coming to Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, that was, that was interesting that that's part of your takeaway. I like that, though. Um, that was basically Ethan Waugh, who was reportedly going to uh, be a, the assistant GM of the Jags under Balky after the draft. That came out yesterday. We talked about it. Jags never confirmed that, by the way, but it was a report that we talked about. And it was interesting, Austin, because he said, uh, that's news to me, is, yeah. is what his quote was. But then he also said, we will be adding to our personnel staff after the draft. So did he just not want to jump the gun with San Francisco in that area? You know, was that like a respect out of another organization? Um, but he did kind of say that was news to me. So we'll keep an eye on the Ethan Waugh situation. But I think no doubt they're going to add to some degree another person or two in that personnel department.
1: Here's why it stood out to me, though, because the entire time that this regime has been together, we keep hearing their narrative collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. Trent Baalke's response to Wa coming in to Jacksonville echoed that there is no collaboration. This was Shad Khan's call. So when Shad Khan comes out and says time and time again, hey, it's, it's going to be a collaborative effort here, they're working together, which we all buy in. Well, then you mean to tell me that you're not going to have a collaborative effort? we you going to bring an assistant GM in? That's weird to me.
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting call. Uh, so that, that is one thing. We'll see where that goes and what ends up happening there. I think sometimes they have to fib to you a little bit and, so the news doesn't get out. And there's no way to work around that question, you know. (laughs) So I'm not sitting here calling Trent Falky a liar. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe that's not true. Maybe it's not a good report. But we'll see what happens uh, with that situation. You brought up the other part, and uh, maybe this was the biggest one for Casey, too. They gave us something that not too many people usually give you in this situation. Now, the Jags haven't been involved in a lot of number one overall picks. Last year was the one. uh, This one a second time. Last year we knew who it was going to be. So it's a totally different situation this year at number one. But the idea that they gave us, hey, it's down to four people. Uh, First of all, I don't think it's alarming, Austin. I think it was at least pretty revealing and and transparent and honest to say, well, we don't have to hide this from too many people, right? I mean, we're the ones on the clock, (laughs) and nobody's going to jump the gun. And I agree with that. Uh, They're certainly not going to tell you who they're picking. So now it begs the question, who are the four? Is it the obvious four, or is there somebody else in the mix?
1: Oh, to me, it's Walker, Hutchinson, Nkwaňu, and Evan Neal. But my question is: Do you truly believe that they're down to four and they don't have someone selected yet, or is that just more of a smokescreen?
0: Oh, listen. There's not a moment. There- not for a moment do I believe they don't know who they're taking. Hmm. I think they exact I think they know who they're taking. Do I feel like yes, they're going to? F- hey, listen, Trent Polky said ninety-five to ninety-five, ninety-seven percent of the board is done. Well, guess where the board starts? At number one. They're picking number one. There's no secret. They know exactly who they're taking, but they also have time to pick, and so they're going to play that game a little bit, uh, and they're going to have final meetings. And so internally, I like we have this we have this thing uh, that we used to say uh, back in Albany actually about like the TV show. It would be like, the show's never over, right? You could have a three-minute show done, you could have a half-hour show done, but it's never over. It's always fluid. You're always, you never know. A couple minutes before, something might break. Well, I think that's what they're saying. The show's never over. And so they know exactly who they're picking. They know what ranking their top four guys are in Austin. Like, they know who they're drafting. They just don't know if something comes about in the next week that might disrupt that. And so they keep their mind open to it. Uh, And and I just wonder if it's – I have some doubts that it's definitely those four guys. Two offensive linemen make sense to some people. Obviously, it's Walker, and obviously, it's Hutchinson – what I'm asking you guys is, is there a chance Thibodeau's in there and only maybe Neal or Iquanu are one of the offensive linemen? Let me ask you this. Has Thibodeau had a visit? He did not go on the visit.
1: No, I don't think it's him.
0: The other guys, Equanu did, right? I know Neal yeah. did. I know Hutchinson did. I know, uh, did we know Walker did?
1: I believe Walker did. He. I mean, I think Walker's visited everybody, if I'm not mistaken. Okay.
0: Um Austin, you convinced it's those i I'm sorry. Casey, you convinced it's those four? Um, I think I have to be, just reading the tea leaves, I guess, and reading what we do. I wish it was Thibodeau to the point, uh, Austin's point, but, yeah, I, yeah I'm Yeah, i kind of convinced. Even though, like, I don't want to be, I am. Like, I, I just – here's the thing. Um, again, I think I know who the – I think the Jags know who they're picking. Uh, so they can have four guys on the board. They know who they're picking in my estimation. I think the common sense, the uh, Vegas odds, the everything says what everybody thinks right now. Equano, Neal, uh, Hutchinson, and Walker. I'm just not convinced that there's not another guy in the fold, a Thibodeau. Uh, I mean, could you tell me that like a Sauce Gardner or somebody is in their top four, even though I highly doubt they pick him? Um, I mean, again, they're ranking the board, Austin, as best players available in this draft. They talked a little bit about that. Sure, you want need, but you want the best player available in the draft at number one. Is there any chance somebody, I mean, you said Thibodeau, so you don't believe it because of the visit thing. I I get it. I'm still not convinced of the visit having that much sway on something like this.
1: Here's why I think the visit means everything in Thibodeau's case. What is Thibodeau's biggest knock right now?
0: Uh, I think it's like kind of like, am I going to be like a me, me, me guy, or or are you saying like he's either boom or bust?
1: No, no, no. I'm saying like, what are scouts? What are the NFL experts? What what is his biggest knock right now coming out of college?
0: Uh, I think I just said. I mean, are are we sure, unsure if he's like all in on football? Like exactly, football? they're
1: yeah. they're questioning whether he loves the game or not. Yeah. Well, scouts have seen the film. Scouts have seen him do the combine. They've seen him do the pro day. If his biggest question mark is whether he loves the game or not, and if he's all about him, well, that's not going to pop up on film. That's not going to pop up running a 40-yard dash. That's going to pop up in the interview process of talking to that guy. So why the Jacksonville Jaguars wouldn't bring him in to do their due diligence to talk him to see truly if he does love the game of football, that to me is a big question mark of whether they really want Thibodeau or not. Because if I'm a GM, if I'm an owner, And I'm trying to bring in a guy that maybe, and once again, I don't think this is the case at all, but this is the the narrative being thrown around, you know, since the season's been done for Oregon. Not sure how much is true how much is not true, but it's a narrative that's been thrown around, so I'm going to buy that, you know, people are talking like that. So if I'm the GM and I have a football player who maybe doesn't love the game of football or is maybe all about himself, well, then you better believe that I'm going to bring that guy in as many times as possible to pick his brain to see exactly where he stands with his psyche. And the only way to do that is with interviews. So when you don't bring him in for an interview, that shows me, like, well, then are you really that concerned about Thibodeau and his maybe lack of passion for the game if you don't even bring him in?
0: I think it's a great point. All right, Casey, I'm going to bring you in here because I want to see if you come with me on this. Right. Uh, and, and, Austin, uh, Doug Peterson came over to us while we were eating lunch. Casey and I were in this, and we were talking to Doug Peterson just about a bunch of different things for about five minutes. It was a nice casual conversation. And so I was asking uh, him, I, I actually said this to him, I asked him, said, I kind of have this belief that these visits are a waste of time. He did say Are that. they? And he actually put a lot of stock into them, to your point, okay? Said you get to know him. You get to, to – they're relaxed. It's more a different atmosphere than the combine all this other stuff. But then, Casey, he said – they said one other thing here, that just because you don't bring them in on a visit doesn't mean you can't get to know them in a different way. I don't know if you've caught this, but the Jags over the years – and this has come more in the second and third round. When they like a guy, when they covet a guy, they've done this before with Yannick Ngakwe. Todd Wash went and worked him out privately. They went to Cam Robinson and worked him out privately, uh, Doug Marone, when they liked him. Austin, there's a chance they went and saw Thibodeau instead of bringing him in as one of the visits and wanted to get to know him maybe on a more personal level and had a chance to do that maybe in that setting instead of their own setting.
1: Yeah, but teams do that because they're throwing up smoke screens where they say, we don't really like Yannick Ngakwe. Let's not bring him in. Maybe, they, you know, when Doug Peterson's coming out, they don't like Doug Peterson, but they actually do. But let's not bring him in because I guarantee you, every team around the league is watching who's taking visits and where they're taking visits to. True. What do you have to lose by bringing Thibodeau in for a visit? You have the number one overall pick. And we've already established you're not going to trade that pick down. So if you're picking number one overall, you have the ultimate ace in the hole. You pick whoever you want to. So there is no smoke screens for the number one pick. Pick who you want. So if you truly want Thibodeau, then what do you have to lose by bringing him in for a visit?
0: Yeah, I I, I, I can't dismiss that. Like, I, I'm not telling you your logic's wrong. I just don't know if I'm all in on just because they didn't do that doesn't mean they're not in on it. And, by the way, you could use this for – like, I don't know if they brought Sauce Gardner in. I don't know why they would be interested in Sauce Gardner because, well, they have a lot invested already in corners, right? So oh. – it doesn't necessarily make sense to me, but they could consider him one of the top four players on the board, like somebody like that. Um, so I I don't know why, Austin, they wouldn't do that, but I would say this, and this is interesting too. Why wouldn't you use all 30 of your visits? They didn't. I think, Casey, what did Trent Polky say they used like 28 of them? Yeah, I think they still have two two to go, I think is what he said. Well, but I'm not even sure they can use the two. I think it's like done this week, isn't it?
1: Well, you know, today, it's only 320
0: today. Yeah, you know maybe, I'm saying? maybe, so. Are they, and are they, they also
1: 30 guys, though? How many guys are they drafting?
0: Uh, 12.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you can go ahead and use all your 30, I mean, and more power to you if you do. But, I mean, there gets to a point, especially in the later rounds, where it kind of becomes mundane. It, it kind of becomes overkill. And you're just, you know, maybe you're wasting your time or wasting those guys' time.
0: Yeah, no, well, I get it. I get it. And and by the way, it was, pretty, it was really a good talk with Peterson. He said sometimes you'll even get back of the draft guys in on visits because you need to get to know them more and you might like them. And you want – I mean, heck, you couldn't turn out to be an undrafted guy. It doesn't always have to be the top of the first round, second round that you bring in for these visits. So um, it was pretty – I thought it was an interesting afternoon. I think it's debatable. I Listen, if you're asking me to put money on who it was, I would go with what the consensus says. I'm just not convinced that bolt, they like both those tackles the, re- the way everybody else does and that they're just, like, I think they might like one of them and already have one on their board and then three defensive players. I think that's certainly in play for the Jags. be really interesting to find that out, of course, after the draft, if they'll be kind enough uh, to tell us. So a lot more to break down from the draft luncheon. You'll hear from Trent Paulke, from Doug Peterson along the way. We're outside the Iceman, of course. They got game two tonight, the shrimp across the street. A lot happening in Jacksonville on a Friday afternoon here in the River City. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 rolls on right after this
1: it's voluntary it's the off season guys get the opportunity to come in or not come in a lot of guys have other plans of means of training especially in today's professional sports world in the nfl they don't necessarily want to be stuck in the city in which they play in the offseason because they can get the same work done, football acclimated things, work out with their personal trainers in South Florida, in California, in Arizona, in warm weather climates. They feel much better at doing this. we see seen it all over the league. So there is no antenna or panic meter that goes up for me when
0: I see someone not there for voluntary workouts that they can't find you for. That is Keyshawn Johnson. Listen to Keyshawn J. Williams and Max Kellerman each and every morning on ESPN 690, 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. And then we jump in at 3 o'clock each and every day, 3 p.m. until 6 p.m., followed by Action Sports Jacks, O.T., Casey Kurtz, Brian Middleton. And then we hand off to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And we're in the middle of it all on a Friday here outside uh, veteran, Star Veterans Memorial Arena for the Iceman. And right across the way, one two one Financial Ballpark for the home of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. They'll entertain Gwinnett and Ronald Acuna Jr. on this Friday night. And now we're inside a week to go until the NFL Draft. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. Hey, uh, really not a surprise. And it looks like I won't lose this house, Austin Lane. Uh, the Jags are not going to trade out of that number one pick. They can't even get a phone call for it.
1: Uh, I mean, that's what they tell us. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I kind of believe him, don't you? I
1: mean, I don't know. Like, do we believe him about that guy coming from San Francisco? Do we believe believe him about, like, there's still four guys available? Like, to me, it's hard to pick and choose, like, what's the truth and and what's not true. Um, Like, the fact that they haven't had one call kind of baffles me a little bit because, like, regardless of what the circumstances are, I feel like teams are always going to call just to kind of get a gauge of the waters. So... I mean, if you're buying, like, if you ask me, do I believe it, they haven't had one single phone call about the very, like, the first pick of the draft. I'm not sure if I'm buying into that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I just don't think it's one of the – I think they'd love to do it now. I think they'd love to get rid of it. And I think you could really – you know, whether they've had a call, whether they get a call, whether they trade it, I just can't imagine they get the compensation they're looking for and and will trade out of it. But I've been wrong before. Um, I'll be stunned if I'm wrong this time. And if that – If it doesn't happen, there's a little bit of a sense of, like, it feels a little bad luckish for the Jags. Now, Jags have had plenty of bad luck. Jags have made plenty of their own bad luck. Jags have also had some good luck along the way, like last year, when they landed at the number one overall pick, and we think, at least, that's very fortunate that uh, Trevor Lawrence is around for that selection. I think this is a year that you kind of wish was heavy in quarterbacks, so you could really dangle that pick away. And there is not this clear-cut number one player, this stud player. There's some thought that it's a little light at the top of the draft. So maybe it is a little bad luck that the Jags are sitting here with the number one overall pick. Uh, They really don't want to use it. They would prefer to accumulate more picks uh, instead. And that's just a cyclical thing that the Jags can't avoid. I think it's interesting, too, Austin, that Trent Baalke said, listen, people will say the draft is deep or light at the top or this or that they have a board that they're pretty happy at all rounds of what kind of pick and player they could get. But he even said, you have to be lucky a bit in the draft for them to still be available. And so it was interesting. It's it's not like they're going to pick in the third round at 65 and 70. This is how I interpreted that. They're going to pick 65 and 70. They're going to have two picks in a uh, five-window span, and... There's a chance that a lot of the guys they have ranked high on their board or around that time at the board could be gone late in the second round, and you're still going to make those picks at 65 and 70, but you might not be in love with what you're picking, you're hitting, and hoping a little bit. And that's just the nature of the draft as well.
1: No, of course. I mean, there's always going to be risk in the draft. You know, I mean, you get your guy at number one, you hope that it pans out, but then no one can foresee what's going to happen then after that first pick. Trades happen. Um, guys shockingly get taken a lot earlier than you expected to. Guys drop uh, a lot farther than you expected to. So, yeah, there's there's no way of foreseeing what's going to happen. That's why no one can ever guess how the draft's going to shake out, and that's why mock drafts are usually pointless because, well, it is such chaos.
0: Uh, do you get the sense that this draft is not that deep? Because other drafts, like, you're like, hey, yeah, heck, I'll get this guy and this guy. But he spoke to some positions now, like running backs. Like, listen, they got some quality guys, but nothing way at the top, and it might not be deep. He even said offensive guard. I got some guys, but then it falls off. I, I'm getting the sense, at least through the Jags' eyes, as they build their board, that this is not necessarily uh, a, a personnel man raving around about the depth of the draft. We're going to land whatever we need to land. So much so, Austin, that even Doug Peterson said, hey, The receiver depth is okay, but not as good as it has been.
1: I mean, I don't know if I buy into that because I think the receiver depth is pretty legit because you can arguably say there's three or four, maybe five guys that might be the top receiver out of this draft class. I'm not sure you can do that every single year. Uh, In terms of in totality, how deep is this draft class? I mean, you know, it's the same to me as there's every year. There's deep positions like wide receiver. Um, and there's not so deep positions. It's just, that's how the draft shakes out. But you have to remember, I mean, when we talk about a deep draft class, well, how many fifth round, sixth round, and seventh round picks can, you know, get to start their first couple of years in the NFL? Not really. So we can sit here and say, well, it's a deep class. It's not a deep class. The point of the matter is, is that the first round, the second round, and probably the third round, there's going to be quality players that are available for you to get that can be starters right away on this football team.
0: All right, one other thing that really caught my attention, and there are several things here, and we're going to play some sound hopefully uh, as the show goes along because Bulky was really kind of funny in a couple of the moments, in my opinion, um, and uh, no Venmo to tell me that either. But uh, I, I, I really want them to. Well, let me ask you guys. If first round pick, obviously they take it. They take whoever they take, they, Aiden Hutchinson, whatever. Um, are we like – wouldn't we all love to see them jump back in the first round? And, and get a receiver. Uh, maybe it's Linderbaum. Maybe, it, you know, whoever it is. Maybe it's Jordan Davis, you know. Are we in agreement that, like, I feel like the entire fan base would love to see the Jags be aggressive and go get a guy they like rather than sit around and wait for the first pick of Friday night? Uh, do I have that temperature correct?
1: Of course. Of course. Because one would imagine that if you're trading back in the first round, it's going to be for an impact player. Jordan Davis, definitely an impact player. If you do, you know, if you do have the cojones to take a guy like a a wide receiver, like a Jameson Williams or something like that, well, that's going to help Trevor Lawrence out, right? And now fans are going to rejoice because you just added yourself another weapon. And most importantly, Trevor Lawrence is happy. So, yeah, by all means, I mean, I think everyone is itching at the fact that they can probably trade back in the first round later on in the draft to get their guy. And let's be honest here. When we talk about this draft, you have 12 draft picks. That is far too many. Um, 12 guys are not going to make the Jacksonville Jaguars team, you know, come by week one. I mean, there's going to be some guys in the practice squad, and maybe some guys won't even make the team. And this is a roster right now that we're talking about that won three games last year. So there's going to be tons of room for improvement. So if you can parlay some of those late round picks, trade up and get your guy that's going to be an impact player, then absolutely please do that.
0: Yeah. And listen, I'm on board with you, man. I like, here's my view on it. Okay. okay. Let's say it's, say you really covered to Libner, Like Like I, I don't, I'm not in love with that center position right there. I mean, but I, I understand it. If he's really valued and he's dropping and you go to twenty eight or twenty nine with Kansas City and get him there or something, like I can see the sense in that. I don't think he's slipping to thirty three. Now you could hit you could wait, wait it out, and hope, but, I just don't think he's coming into that second round if he's as coveted as everybody says and he's going to be as good as everybody says. I think good teams, like whether it's the Packers late or the Patriots late or the Kansas City Chiefs late, I think those teams gobble those kind of players up and know they've got the position stabilized now for the next decade. So, like, I'm okay with the Jags bouncing back in and doing that. I'd like to see him come back in and get receiver. But I just would like to see them be aggressive. Now, here's why it's not going to happen, Austin. If you listen to what Balky said, my interpret again, we're reading into a lot of things. But the reason now I'm, I'm, I just don't think it's going to happen is as much as people value the top five picks, the top ten picks in this draft, what I've come to know in the last couple of years with the Jags having number one and then being at the top of those next couple of rounds is, Austin, they really value number 33. I'm not saying more than number one, but they really valued number 33 it's a great seat to be in round one of the draft ends thursday night you sleep on it you talk all day about it you've got three four five guys on the board and you're picking first on friday night around seven o'clock you have other teams now calling saying hey i'm not sure if you're going to take this guy so i might want to go trade up and get that pick you might be able to accumulate more picks great like i want more picks but that is the view of the gm that is the, the the view of that spot at 33 in the second round again I'm not telling you that it's more coveted than a top-ten pick or a first-round pick or whatever. But it is extremely valued, I think, from the seat that Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson sit in that war room. And I think it's going to be such a good seat and such a good view, and I'm not sure they're going to want to part ways with it, is my point.
1: I mean, you may not want to part ways, but if there's a wide receiver there for the taking that you think is a tier above when you can get at 33, then go ahead and pull the trigger. You know, I mean, I get you have that advantage because at 33, you have a whole night to sleep on it. Um, you can try to take phone calls for trades and all of that. But like if I'm Trenton bulky right now, I'm competing for my job. I'm on a very, very short leash. So if, if that's the narrative right now where I have to nail this draft, I have to get players. that will be impactful. Well, then why not trade that pick, move up and get your guy? Because what do you have to lose right now? If you're Trent bulky, you know, I mean, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, you're on Bauer, Bauer time. So if that's the conversation, if that's the narrative that we're talking about, then, dude, go hog wild, man. Gunsling that thing and get who you want and let it play out for itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he can—I understand what you're saying. By the way, I agree with you there, too. I I just—I mean, it can't be reckless. He he would like to reverse this and be the GM of the Jags for the next five to ten years, you know, and get it right. So he's not going to be reckless. With the picks, but I get what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying. I'm so tired of picks. I don't want those. I'm gonna I tell anybody that will listen to me right now. I don't want those fourth, sixth, sixth round selections. Like I don't. Like I, I don't. I don't get enamored with the day three picks. Doesn't do much for me to have so many of them. Sure, there's value. Sure, you find some really good players, but I don't need four sixth round picks. <laughs> so get rid of it. Um, in my estimation, but uh, to to your point, I would like to see them. You know. This organization hasn't done something like that. They've picked in that second round. They've picked in that third round. they found some good players in those rounds, by the way. And they've traded up in the second round from, say, like a 36 to a 33 or whatever it was with Miles Jack, Cam Robinson, move up a spot or two. They've actually moved up. But they have not gone back into the first round, got a player they covet, and also have that 50-year option on top of it so you have more player control. I would lo- lo- love to see them do that. That is something we uh, have not seen the Jags do. So I I just got the feel today that that value at 33 is so good from a GM seat that it would take a hell of a lot to move them off that uh, number 33 overall uh, pick and get back into the first round. Because I think it would take the 33rd overall pick to get into uh, the first round from a compensation standpoint. We were outside of... Uh, Five-Star Veterans Memorial Arena here on a Friday. We're right in between, actually, the baseball grounds and the arena. Iceman Shrimp tonight. A lot more Jags talk to go. Let's take a break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 on a Friday. You'll hear from Bulky and Peterson. Uh, We kind of break down this draft even more so. Is Aiden Hutchinson the safe pick? And what the heck does that even mean? Is there a safe pick? Especially when the Jags are picking. We talk more about it. On ESPN six ninety as a Friday rolls on here in Jacksonville, Florida. Well, I feel
1: that way because, like I said, it goes back to you know coming in early as a true freshman. You know, working hard at Alabama, earning a starting spot and uh, contributing. Uh, like I said, going in and learning early, uh, uh, learning on the fly, knowing them, knowing what it's like to um, get thrown in the fire uh, in a week and also, you know, playing three different positions in three different years at a high level. You know, that takes a lot of, you know, learning on the fly, and it's, you know, this difficult, challenging, you know, different techniques uh, that goes into those different positions for sure. So I can definitely say that's why I'm the best tackle in this draft.
0: Sounds like Evan Neal to me, the uh, tackle from Alabama, can also play guard and right tackle as well. Is he one of the four the Jags are keyed in on at number one? Uh, certainly the odds on... Uh, Money would say that. Brent Martino outside star Veterans Memorial Arena as we are essentially tailgating for the Jacksonville Iceman game tonight. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Shack studios. Casey as well here on this Friday. Got a busy night downtown. Game two of the Jacksonville Iceman series against Atlanta. And uh, they took game one, three to two, last night here at the arena. Next. Expect and hope to do the same tonight. And we uh, bring in the head coach of the Jacksonville iceman right now, Nick Luco. And uh, coach, that's a heck of a way to start the series. You always like getting that first one, don't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's huge, especially uh, in the weird makeup of the series. Starting with the first uh, four games at home, you know, winning that first one is huge for us.
1: Coach, how do you feel about that makeup? I mean, is that an advantage for you guys? Is that a disadvantage? I mean, it's hard to win four games in a row.
2: Well, I, I think it's definitely an advantage, especially with us being the uh, lower seat when we get the extra home game, uh, especially with our crowds. It's, it's going to be huge for us just seeing off the momentum from the fans.
0: Nick Lucco with us, Jackson Weissman, head coach. What one right for you yesterday? You guys came back on uh, Atlanta, and, and again, just like from a – you guys are pretty young. I think we talked to Jacob Friend uh, earlier this week, and – From an experience-level standpoint in the playoffs, it looks like Atlanta's got the edge there. So that's got to be a big confidence boost to win, to win the way you did.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was huge. We had a lot of guys playing in their first playoff game last night. And, uh, you know, just getting that first win under your belt, it kind of eases the uh, pressure a little bit. I think guys were a little jittery through the first two periods. But the third period, we really turned it on and found a way to win.
1: Coach, and in terms of getting your guys prepared now, you know, for that playoff run, I mean, do you up, do you ramp up practice more, or do you kind of ease off since you know it, it is the postseason now? Guys are probably worn out from the regular season. How do you approach that?
2: Yeah, it was kind of a kind of a weird end of the season for us. We uh, played a ton of games in March and April. We only practiced about probably six times in the last month and a half. So. We had uh, three good days of practice going into uh, the playoffs here, and it was kind of like a mini training camp for us because we had a lot of movement throughout the season. Guys were coming back from injury and call-ups from the American League, so that was really good for us just to get everyone back uh, back into town, get the chemistry going again, and that paid off last night.
0: What's the biggest challenge with Atlanta? Uh, we talked about their experience, but a, a tactical on ice, uh, strengths and weaknesses – uh, what's your biggest fight these next uh, potentially six games
2: yeah they're uh they're really structured defensively they'll they're patient they'll sit back and wait for you to make a mistake i think if you look at the two goals we gave up last night they're just you know we shot ourselves in the foot with you know one not getting a puck deep and two you know kind of overskating a puck in our own end and uh, it costed us a couple goals there but you know, we just have to, you know, keep preaching to the guys, getting pucks behind their D, wear them down, you know, like a true playoff uh, true playoff game it is, and then just kind of keep working them, and, you know, hopefully our, ski, our speed and skill will uh, take over and score some more goals here.
1: Coach, when we talk about the playoffs, you know, especially in the NHL, it always seems that the teams that make the deepest run always have the best goaltender. What does it mean to you guys now that you have essentially the best goaltender in the whole is CHL? What does that mean to your team and, and how confident are you going forward with that?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, both our goalies are both number one. So, um, you know, we've had confidence in them in the entire year. We're, as a team, as a five man unit, we're, we're structured defensively. We only give up the least amount of shots per game, uh, which led to, you know, least amount of goals against per game. So, um, we take pride in our defensive game and, and it starts from the net out so whether it's uh, Brass and net or, or Willie we're, we're pretty confident in the two goalies we got
0: Nick Lucco with us, Jacksonville Iceman head coach, Game two tonight, Atlanta and Jacksonville ECHL playoffs are underway in Jacksonville. Just the second time the Icemen have played in the playoffs in their short existence. Uh, you brought up an interesting uh, comment. Uh, you know, it took you guys a little bit to get going. You made a couple of mistakes. It has me thinking uh, so often in sports, but especially when you get to this time of year, do you feel like playoff games are won or lost? Meaning, do you go out and execute so well? Or usually it's the mistake or two you make that, that hurts you, and you hopefully you make fewer than the other team.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think it goes both ways. You know, um, I'm a glass-half-full guy, so I don't want to put the pedal to the metal here and make them make mistakes. I think the way we play with our speed and pace, like I think we're going to just continue to wear them down and and force them to make mistakes i think uh the mistakes we made last night are easily fixable um and there's something we can learn from just because we're pretty inexperienced and a lot of guys were playing in their first playoff game last night um but last night we kind of got that one under our belt so um you know we're gonna be ready to go tonight
1: Hey, Coach, obviously we talk about, you know, the the, the playoff atmosphere, the, the physicality, um, the energy gets ramped up. Does the pregame speech get ramped up, or is it more of the same what you deliver the entire season?
2: I try and keep it the same. I think, um, you know, you don't really want to change it up too much, um, especially when you have a young group like we have. Like, I, I don't want the guys to feel too much pressure. Um, last night, we were just preaching about enjoying the moment, going out and having fun, and um, you know, I think the guys take a liking to that. Any, uh, You got some
0: superstitious pregame meals for this team? Or when you play better, you eat chicken or something like that?
2: Anything going on with this club or just play uh, on matters? <laughs> uh, they, they got the beards going. Um, you know, I think our group's pretty loose. I'm sure a few guys aren't going to tell you what, what they're doing. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, whatever it takes to win, man, I'm done for whatever.
0: Yeah. uh, One last one for you, coach. Uh, We've talked to you so many times throughout the year, and especially early on is this young guy coming in here to this ECHL world and leading a bunch, some of them grown men, some older than you. How has it gone for you? Has has this team really um, responded well to you? Has that been a challenge at times? What's it been like here this season in Jacksonville uh, as a a young coach?
2: Uh, It's been awesome. I mean, I can ask for a better group to work with, uh, know our guys come to the rink every day you know wanting to get better and compete hard and work hard and um are consistently you know trying to get better so it just makes you know my assistant brandon and i's jobs uh super easy and it's a blast coming to the rink every day so um we're still building on it and you know we're excited for what's to come here hopefully in the next couple months Uh, We are too, Coach. Good luck
0: tonight in game two and uh, three wins away from advancing in the ECHL playoffs trying to chase that Kelly Cup. Good luck, uh, Coach Nick Luco. Appreciate you joining us on ESPN 690. All right. Thanks,
2: guys. Talk to you soon.
0: You bet. uh, That is uh, Nick Luco, the coach of the Jacksonville Iceman. And it'd be fun. I'm telling you, it's going to get fun over the next uh, few weeks into a couple of months if if they advance in this series. Uh, I think they'll have a, a super crowd tonight on a Friday night. Uh, to, next week will be an interesting one you know also they, we talk about like a break because they're getting an extra home game and they're playing four in a row so I understand that but at least in our town you also have the draft to contend with next week mm-hmm. and that's Wednesday, Thursday this week they actually have a Acuna across the street to contend with a little bit so it's not a lot that every seat is going to be filled although I anticipate tonight's crowd being good I think last night was good I think it'll be even better tonight but um, it's just a, it's a fascinating dynamic I do believe as they go along and win, they're going to catch a lot of momentum in this town. It could be a lot of fun if they go deep.
1: You no, know, without a doubt. There's nothing like playoff hockey, and especially in Jacksonville, there seems to be a lot of momentum. You know, you had the all-star game here and everything. Um, and now if they can couple that with a playoff win and really make a run, yeah, I mean, I think the city of Jacksonville is going to go ballistic for that.
0: Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. It's a great night here now. I'm right in the middle of it. i <laughs> got the uh, baseball grounds, the jumbo shrimp hosting Acuna and Gwinnett. And, by the way, jumbo shrimp, bats are on fire right now. You can listen to that game on ESPN 690. And then right behind me, Vice Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena, 7 o'clock. They drop the puck game two, Atlanta, Jacksonville, ECHL playoff. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, we will continue to talk about that, and we will talk about the NFL draft. And that means it's a Friday edition of Shock Your Mock on the way on ESPN 690.